I think it's just whenever I have an opportunity to positively influence and positively impact children, um, I do that and I use my platform to do that. So for me, it's you know, bringing hockey to people that wouldn't normally be able to play hockey and showing them that it's fun, bringing a lot of energy to it because you know, some people might think, oh, it's quite a boring sport and just making it uh, a viable option for them and, and giving them an opportunity to play the sport and, and to get engaged in the sport. That was Team GB hockey player Reece Smith. I am Curtis Mansfield and this is episode 10 of Hips and Dips. This week, I am joined by an old teammate of mine, Reese Smith. Often as a kid, you will play against other children who have the potential to achieve great things, and coaches and parents will often point this out. But in Reese, I see someone who is on the precipice of realising all that potential and living up to the hype with the Tokyo 2020 Olympics around the corner. Despite his young age of 23, his CV is extensive. 15 international caps between GB and England, a National League North Conference winner in 2016-17 whilst at Durham University, and at that time became a three-time All-Star team appearance maker. He was a three-times under-18s national champion and two-times under-18s indoor national champion whilst at Whitgift School, at which time he also won multiple titles under-16 and under-14 level. And in 2019, he added the uh, club Super Sixes title with East Grinstead to his resume before making the move to Wimbledon Hockey Club, which is where he applies his trade now. I'm looking forward to catching up with Reese and seeing what motivates him ahead of 2021, both on and off the pitch. And remember to check out his Instagram for more details on Reese, and also check out my Instagram and the Instagram for the podcast, which is at hips underscore and underscore dips for more information on both Reese and all my past guests. But it's now time to hand over to perhaps one of the hottest subjects in men's hockey, Reese Smith. Right, Reese, how are you doing, mate? Very well, Curtis. All good. Hope you're well as well, man. Yeah, not bad. Making the most of it in our... Uh tier four reality um so we find ourselves now in 2021 uh so looking back on the 2020 roller coaster as a whole how have you found it in terms of its effects on your health and i want to include sort of like a physical mental and social perspective okay uh i think overall uh like, obviously it's quite like hard and difficult times but I've, I've really enjoyed 2020 um, for, like, from a social standpoint. It's allowed me to kind of reconnect with friends and kind of strengthen relationships that I've, I already had. Um, certain friends that were at university came kind of back down, who were quite local to me. Um, and then just, I think the nature of seeing your friends is a bit different. Like it was more kind of going to the park, uh, less kind of like, you know, big nights out. So you, you just got to, do a lot more chatting and a lot more um, bonding, I guess, because of that. So socially, it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think physically and mentally, it was it was great mentally because I think everyone's kind of had the similar thought of, you know, you, you never normally get time to kind of pause and reflect on things, and I, I definitely used it as a as a, as a big reflection point, uh, looking at how my last kind of two two years in, in the GB program had been for me and you know, what I'm proud of, what, what, what I'm not proud of and what I want to, to do moving forward. So mentally it was great just to kind of sit back, reflect, because it's quite hard to do when, when you're in the thick of things and you can kind of get bogged up on you know, what's going on currently at the moment and kind of forget about the bigger picture. So yeah, mentally it's been, it's been great to kind of refresh and then set kind of yeah, new goals of how I want to to be day in day out um, especially at training so that's me and then from a from a physical perspective so you've obviously been away training's been stop start throughout the year uh physically like I've had a bit of like an up and down 2020 um when lockdown first hit my my 
my goal was, okay, I'm going to be as fit, like aerobically as I can be when I get back. So all I have to care about is hockey. Um, and I wanted to you know, still be in like good shape, like muscular endurance wise. Um, so that was my goal. But I think I did so much running, actually injured myself. I got plantar fasciitis. So I was in out for, for three months. Um, quite a frustrating injury because yeah, I couldn't run. Um, and I think running is my probably my favorite kind of uh, mode of exercise for, for getting in shape. So that was, that was pretty annoying, but I kind of was able to pick up different things. So I got, you know, I got pull up bar in, I, I did more zoom workouts, I was like hit workouts, um, got into swimming a bit more. Um, so yeah, uh, initially that was my goal. Didn't happen, kind of looked at other things I could do. Um, and then, yeah, towards the back end of the year, picked up a couple um, injuries here and there, you know, dead leg, uh, sprained ligament. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's been up and down because although I've had these injuries, I've also been fit enough to, to go abroad with the, with the GB squad and play matches. So that's why it's very much been yeah, up and down. Well, yeah, of course. Are you the, are you the kind of person who um, does extra exercise anyway outside of training? So are you always doing extra running, extra swimming, or in normal times do you just stick to the plan? Like the GB plan? Yeah, I, t- I tend not to always stick to the plan, uh, but that's been a detriment. Uh, looking looking back on things, I've often kind of overloaded myself, and I think that's where some of my injuries have come from. So my recent one, like a sprained ligament, uh, you know, I did an extra run. Uh, they think it's from, you know, overloading my foot. So, yeah, I, I mean, I tend to try and get, extra sessions in whether that be on the pitch or you know just just fitness um but what I've learned is you need to know how to do it like I think now if I'm going to do an extra session I might do like an off-feet session as opposed to like an on-feet session just because I don't need to load my feet that much because I'm quite susceptible to getting injuries so I think it's just learning how to do it yeah no that's uh that's a really important point um so if hopefully if this interview took place in eight months time, I would introduce you as the Olympian Reese Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you given any thought to how um, that title will be for you in the future? Um, yeah, I'd be lying if I say I hadn't. Mainly from the perspective of, I feel like it just carries a lot of weight when I'm going into schools and it's quite like a universal term. Like, People who aren't in sport, if they hear Olympian, they're always like, oh, wow, like that's a, kind of amazing. So I kind of thought of it from the perspective of it will allow me to do what I want to do more easily. Like when I go into assemblies, I can tell them, you know, I went to this Olympics and it's just something that everyone knows about. So, yeah, from from Hockey in the City perspective, I have done um, from like GB and training perspective, not at all. I think there's a lot of small term goals that I want to and I'm focused on to try and get me there as opposed to thinking on um, yeah I want to be called an Olympian yeah I suppose being an Olympian catapults you into a just a different level as a sportsman you're you're an Olympian you're not a hockey player I mean you are as well but you're an Olympian in its own right which puts you in that same group as athletics and swimming and you'll become this one big group of people which, uh, which from a promotion point of view and a business point of view must be, must be massive. But, uh, but Reese, be honest with me, have you considered getting the tattoo, the rings on your arm? Is that, uh, on, is that in the pipeline? I've considered it, but I don't, I'm too much of a pussy, uh, really and truly. I don't know if I can, I, can I say that. I don't know if it's loud. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it takes it takes a real it takes a real man to get the olympic rings pre-olympics that's that's real confidence no way like yes i've considered it um but i've literally just considered it i don't know why i'm only messing this too early okay um so what was it like inside the gb camp when you found out uh the 2020 tokyo games was delayed uh, till 2021 was it uh was it just shock was it something you were expecting is it is there a positive in there for you particularly getting more sort of perhaps caps under your belt pre-tournament 
it's quite difficult to say how it was in the camp just because you know we weren't together when the news came and you know you, you have zoom calls and we, we had small small chats with people but I guess it's quite difficult to really get, get the feel I think you know everyone's going to think differently about it it's very individual you know the, the Olympics being cancelled some people might feel oh I'm in my prime right now another year will I be in my prime still or oh, I'm still developing like another year's good for me um from as as examples from from my perspective it was like yes this is good because I probably wouldn't have been in the Olympic team had it been in 2020 and it just gives me more time to to work on my game to develop technique mental side physical side and yeah to give myself more opportunities I've been able to get more caps um, and hopefully we'll be able to get even more caps before they make the selection so it gives me more opportunity basically yeah so that's obviously a positive way positive way to look at it um when you have an event as significant as the olympics on the horizon do you start to think about preservation so rather than thinking about the next game or being fit for the next game are you starting to think i need to be my best for the olympics perhaps trying to avoid injury perhaps change your playing style slightly is that something you can afford to do no um i'm definitely not thinking i need to be fit for olympics because i've got a my, my position within the squad i've got to earn my spot in the olympics i am i'm nowhere near certain for the olympics so mine's like every moment i get i've got to smash smash it whether that be training whether that be games um so yeah very much with, with that mindset yeah i mean that's important yeah i mean that's a silly question really you can't you can't be um I think if you start changing the way you play, then either you're not good enough to be in the team or you're probably more likely to get injured anyway. If you start pulling out of tackles or um, avoiding certain contact, you're probably more likely to get injured than just playing the way you normally play. Yeah, for sure. So, Reese, in 2011, me and you were part of the same team that reached the National Plate Finals with a, a small little club in Surrey called Trinity Mid with Giftians. Um, and we also won a series of sort of runners-up medals in Surrey leagues and indoor semi-finals, etc. Now, one of us had their career somewhat stagnated from that point, uh, and the other of us—I'll let you guess which one—went on to achieve honours with Whitgift, Durham, East Grinstead, um, and of course your country. Uh, so, what has been perhaps the highlight from that journey? Um, yeah, I think there's been there's there's definitely a, a couple uh, winning. I think winning uh, the Bucks gold in my final year was like a great way to finish off uni career. Obviously, at university in in that team, you, you bond with the people in that team because um, you spend so much time with them, and it was a great way. There was a lot of us third years there um, to kind of finish off your time at Durham. So definitely, that was a highlight and. Just also going out with everyone within, not just our squad, but within all the other hockey squads was, was a really good moment. And yeah, the 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 European competition in 2017, the Junior um, Euros, was was a, was a big highlight. Yeah, I think from an individual but also a team perspective as well. As a, as a team, that was probably my favourite junior international team I've, I've been a part of, just because we just got all along so so well. And I think that showed in our in our performances that like we didn't lose a game there. You know, we were lucky, we were unlucky to to not get into the semi-finals on on, on points. Uh, yeah, I think we had the same points, but we we didn't get there on, on goal difference. And just the vibe and the banter just within the, within the camp was was great, and it really felt like a team. And then from an individual perspective, now one player of the tournament at, at that tournament, which was a big moment for me because I'd I'd put a lot a lot of work in that that whole summer leading up to it and yeah it was quite it was quite emotional for me yeah well I mean that's one thing that really stands out from your your sort of CV is that not only have you played at these multiple tournaments and said school level university level international level but you really excelled at each one so as you mentioned you're a player of the tournament um I think you're in the am I right you're in like the Bucks all-star team for when you're at Durham I think every year yeah um so you're not only are you just like 
a, a player at that level, you're performing well and above that. So did it always seem like perhaps inevitable that you'd make it to the the full men's GB team or was that a real struggle to get up there? Uh, that's a good question. I think at the time, like I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the main focus of getting into the senior squad. It was, I re- really enjoyed playing hockey. Like I love my junior international stuff. It was, it was, it was a, it was great to go and see see the lads, whether that be like the under twenty ones or the EDP group. I always love like our, our days away and just like friendships you make on them. Like I've got a lot of good friends from from those times. And it wasn't probably until my third year where I kind of thought, yeah, this is I want to get into the senior squad. And I kind of believed in in my ability, and I thought I was good enough to get in. So I, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, that that was how I was feeling. Uh, but it's one thing, obviously, getting into the squad, and there's another thing, you know, excelling in the senior squad and and and, and getting picked for game. Like it's it's they're two different things. Well, yeah, no, of course. I actually I uh, remember you played for Durham Uni. Um, I'm a Bath grad, and I think it might have been your first year at Durham. You played Bath in the it was either the quarterfinals or the semifinals of the Bucks down in a. <laughs> down in Bath. Um, I think you guys won in the end. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Very confident there. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but I was, uh, I was still on the sideline and you came off the bench, I think, because obviously you're, I think you're a fresher. Um, obviously you're strongly involved, but you came off the bench in this moment. And this is when I first saw you play. I hadn't seen you play since you were like probably like 14, 15. And I saw you come off the bench. First thing you did was a horrible stick tackle. Um, immediate yellow card <laughs> and then I had to go I think I had a lecture so all I watched was about four seconds you came on the pitch yellow card straight off sat down on the naughty chair um, yeah, probably a- <laughs> and then fast forward I think I didn't see you again play for another two years and then I think you're playing again for Durham against Bath perhaps um, maybe in your final year this time um, okay. I'm not quite sure but anyway in that game I remember you scored an absolute worldie of a goal I think you put on your reverse slotted it um, and then I was on the sideline being like, I know that guy. That's uh, that's that's Reese. We played together and we were kids. Um, but yeah, so so I have seen parts of your career from a distance. Um, and obviously, as I said, you excelled at each of them. Do you do you actually remember the Trinity mids times? Or was that so long ago and so irrelevant? It's it's beneath you now. Of course, of course. I I, I love Trinity midwits. It was it was a great time. It was it was a good contrast to to Whitgift because Whitgift was yeah very much like performance based. Also, we had fun there, but it was yeah it, it was more serious than Trinity Midwits. Like going to Midwits, it was just do what you want, you know, like no 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 worries whatsoever. You ain't got to play a certain way. You haven't got to um, you know worry about you know, beating a school or, or whatever. I'm not saying that it was explicitly said to us at Whitgift, but it was more performance-based than midwits, put it like that, because we <laughs> didn't care. Like we just rocked up, you know. Yeah. Played. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like lax. Yeah, there was no um, matching, no matching shorts. Uh, it just it, was, it reminded me a bit of like a FIFA team. It was kind of just everyone just did their own thing. You had you pick the ball up in your own half and just dribble with it, or someone would go for an audacious shot from. A stupid angle. It's just kind of a everyone do what they want, really. Which is actually interesting because you mentioned Wit Gift, and I've got a theory that I can identify any player uh, that I see if they're a Wit Gift boy for mile off. So when we were at Bath Bath Uni and I was doing like the trials there, I nearly always got it right. If I saw a player play, I'd know they're a Wit Gift player just from the way they play. You said you mentioned yeah. their performance base is very much a set. Um, system and the players, you know, they, dri- they hit the byline, they drive the byline, put it on a foot for a short. Uh, always have good drag flickers. It's a very like set pattern of play Whitgift do, and I think that's been the case all the way through. Um, but I don't want to bore people by talking about too much hockey because most people who aren't hockey fans don't know what I'm talking well, about. So- on that, like, yeah, we I think we had. Yeah, we, we we did patterns of play there. So it was like stuff that we you know and we were very well drilled there. 
So we knew that, okay, if it's gonna, the ball's going to be in this position, we're, we're going to look for this pass. Or if we're on here, we're going to try, like you said, drive the baseline. We know exactly where we're trying to pass the ball. So, yeah, I think that was, uh, that was very much a great gift. Yeah, and, and it was successful and it's continued to be successful. So we can't argue with that. Um, so I suppose, I mean, it's probably quite an obvious question, bearing in mind uh, what's happening this year. But um, what's your targets for 2021 and beyond? For 2021, I think, uh, I guess this year, overall, it's kind of, you know, when I get my opportunities, taking them. Um, but not thinking, okay, this is an opportunity, I need to take it. It's more like just doing, it's kind of just, not having to do anything extra. It's kind of just playing how I've been playing in training or in my matches for club. So it's kind of, you know, uh, being consistent at training, consistently putting myself out there at training. Um, so that we, when I get my opportunities, it's not like I need to excel to another level. It's kind of like, yeah, um, I've, I've done it. I just have to do it on, on the stage now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, on another point, uh, were you part of the... The hockey games up at the stoop uh in the rugby stadium yeah i played in that one that must have been um i suppose obviously amongst many but a standout moment because i think that was a that was a, was that a record crowd i think for a hockey game in england or something like that? i'm not too sure i'll be honest but it was fantastic that was like the first game i played for gb and england when I felt like we had like a home advantage, like a home crowd, like it really, you'd really feel like the crowd are kind of like cheering you on. And um, just the fact that it was just a great day. It was like really sunny. People were having beers. People were like energetic by, by the whole kind of stoop. And it just, it just felt, it was just a great atmosphere and a, and a, a great kind of setup that, that, that people at England Hockey and GB did. Yeah. I mean, it's a great advert for the game as well. If you're watching, if you manage to get tickets to go watch that game or you're watching it on TV, it probably shows hockey as a elitist spectator sport um, as opposed to like a, just an amateur sport that happens once every four years at the Olympics and no one really cares about it the rest of the time. It really mm. um, probably put it on the forefront. Those images that were shared around England rugby and BBC Sport, etc., must have probably turned a few heads, I imagine. Yeah, and it just shows you, you know, we can, we can do it. Like, there's no reason. I don't think there should be any reason why we can't, you know, do that elsewhere. Obviously, I don't know the finances, but why can't we, you know, go up north, do it? You know, Midlands, Wales, Scotland, you know, Northern Ireland. Like, especially for for GB, just we can just take it different places and do it because I think the buzz you get from going to different locations would be would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, it just so it was, yeah, I can say a great advert for the sport. Well, yeah, I mean, that can be a great selling point for hockey as well because England football have got Wembley, England rugby have got Twickenham, you've got Wimbledon uh, for the tennis. There's so many iconic sporting events that happen in London. But if you could use hockey as a sport that can go to the people, so it can go to the north, it can go to Wales, it can go to the Midlands, they can really get around. So those people who don't get international sport in Birmingham, for example, they could get it through hockey. Maybe that could be a great way to really grow the sport. For sure. So you mentioned in various interviews that you don't come from the conventional hockey background. Uh, neither did I. I wasn't privately educated. Um, I didn't come from hockey family. I actually got involved in hockey because I went to watch an ice hockey game when I was in Ireland. Uh, which is a strange place to watch ice hockey. Uh, that got me involved in the the hockey world. I couldn't ice skate very well, so it became logical I got involved in hockey. So that was my path into hockey. How did you get involved? So I mean, I, I mean, I was privately educated in my secondary school, um, but and that's how I got in, involved in it. So I got uh, a bursary to Whitgift School in South Croydon, and you could go at lunch and play hockey. And I wanted to do it because at football, the older guys were you know, hogging the, the pitch. So yeah, I just found hockey and 
just loved, you know, loved playing it pretty much. Like fell in love with it straight away. It was like my favorite sport since since year six. So what was the um, what was the bursary? Is that academic? Uh, no, so bursaries are uh, basically you have to be. Let's face it. You have to be able to qualify for it. So if your parents or like single parent, both parents, like no parents, whatever, if if your parents or guardian don't earn um, or are, are under a certain threshold, you can apply for bursary. Oh, I see. Okay. And then uh, based on your parents' income, they they basically give you arranged fees for you to pay to go to the school. Got you. Okay. Um, okay. So you mentioned obviously you got involved um at lunchtime because you want to play football but explain the journey then from that first time you picked up a stick to obviously now you're playing for gb um what were those initial steps like how did you get from uh i said joining whitgift doing a little bit of hockey getting involved in the team how did all that go through were you, were you just a natural no i was <laughs> i was i was not a natural uh so i think first thing that came to mind was at the time we had just started like winning national titles and that's when i first started playing so you had a lot of people kind of like idolizing the school or it was or and it was very cool to play hockey i think that was kind of like a big factor to um to really getting into hockey and the fact that you know we we, we turn out england players like year in year out and it was like okay like i'm from with like that's the next thing i need to do and accomplish and yeah i mean i worked really really hard on like fitness and skills like at lunchtime with Nigel de cruz and and then carl stagner came in later on like see they helped me get to where i am um and get into the england junior squads and then from from under 16s and 18s it was kind of doing more more of the same um and just continue learning on on, on the journey So was it from that moment on? Was it always hockey, or did you have other sports as well? No, I played. I played. So yes, six and seven, pretty much played every sport in Wigift, like all the main sports. So yeah, rugby, football, cricket, tennis, table tennis. I love my racquetball. Um, yeah, but I still play basketball outside school just with friends. I I love sport like tennis as well. Like I used to just love playing sport, and then. I think year eight, I stopped playing rugby, started playing football and hockey. And the older you get, kind of the, the more time your main sport requires of you. And so the less time you have for other sports. So yeah, it's naturally, that's kind of just happened. Yeah. Um, so do you socially, do you still do other sports now? Do you still pick up the racket and stuff? <laughs> I'll play table tennis every now and then. Um, I think that's like my second favorite sport after after hockey. Uh, I like to say football. I just haven't played it in a while. Like, we're always always saying with with, with the lads like, you know, we need to get a fire side going. And I'm sure a lot of other people say that and just never actually happens. So definitely want to get football in at some point. Might have to take you on in a game of uh, table tennis. I'm a, I've got a mean mean backhand. Yeah, it's not the You have to be a table tennis player to be. I'll be honest. Because I used to play table tennis, so like, if if you're not if you haven't got a table tennis background, you won't beat me. If you're just your standard, you know, I play table tennis for fun. There's no point wasting my time, Curtis. <laughs> I uh, I did table tennis at the London Youth Games. Yeah, that's um, not the one. That's not the one. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. I, I I was I was dreadful actually. Uh, you are good. London Youth Games as well. They have like requirements. Like I think if you play like Surrey or for county, you're not allowed to even play hockey there. Yeah, I think you can. I mean, you could county, but you couldn't uh, regional. Actually, the other way around. You you can play regional, but you can't play county, which is a weird. So like we had a remember. I don't know. Do you remember players like um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Harry Sainsbury. I think he'd have been like was he a year above you. A couple of years above you, quite a few years above you actually. Um, I think he played like South. He played South England, and he played in our London Youth Games team for hockey. Um, even though other players played for Surrey couldn't, but that was a weird loophole. Um, but anyway, okay, I'll 
I won't I won't play at table tennis. You've you've shot me down. We'll move we'll move on. Um so I suppose that what I want to talk about now really is uh hockey often gets well actually lots of sports in this particular year, but hockey as well has been questioned on its diversity and it's a sport which has a stereotype of um obviously middle class, uh white um sport so as a mixed race player and i think one of the only um if not the only in the current gb uh squad who is mixed race um what's that like and what's your role in changing that if you think it needs to be changed uh i think i don't i don't really know like what what it's like you don't really think oh i'm the only mixed race guy here because it's it's been like that for like, ever since I started playing hockey the only like black mixed race whatever like ethnic minority people mainly came from Whitgift so like in all the England squads so it's kind of just the norm now like I'm I'm, I'm used to it uh, so I don't think oh like every day oh, I'm the only colour guy in the squad but my role what's my role is um yeah, I mean, like, you know, I've, I've started my company, Hockey in the City, and I think it's just whenever I have an opportunity to positively influence and positively impact children, um, I do that, and I use my platform to do that. So for me, it's you know, bringing hockey to people that wouldn't normally be able to play hockey and showing them that it's fun, bringing a lot of energy to it because you know, some people might think oh it's quite a boring sport and just making it uh, a viable option for them and, and giving them opportunity to play the sport and, and to get engaged in the sport yeah um so regards uh, hockey in a city um i had a little bit i did a bit of research earlier on on the subject um and i think you mentioned it there but those three key principles so you want to increase the profile of the sport you want to diversify the population from sort of a BAME background to play the sport. And then you want to inform off the social and educational benefits of playing hockey. Um, obviously, you're, you're someone who, who perhaps had those social and educational benefits um, not from hockey. You, you probably would have had them anyway because you had your bursary to wit gift and then the hockey was a, was a secondary component. Um, but do, do you think that really is... A really important role then to get people from those backgrounds are you thinking more short term you can get players from those backgrounds into private schools or are you thinking more long term in terms of university i think it's it's very complex so like when you talk about the socio impacts that they can have what like on a, on a micro scale it's in the sessions like we our sessions have year threes, fours, five, sixes. Normally year threes and fours are together because of COVID and year five and sixes are together. But in primary school you don't normally mix with years. So one thing is being able to mix with other people that you're not accustomed to mixing with. Another thing is communication when we're doing the drills. Like a lot of our drills that we, we do require you to think about, you know, okay, where's the next ball coming from? Okay, where do I have to go now? And just that, okay, why is it not working? Oh, uh, because he hasn't done this. Well, you have to tell him. Or So I think just from the sessions, you kind of get a better understanding of communication, learning how to get along with people, learning how to deliver messages. And that's something we're very, like, very keen on. In terms of getting people into private schools, it's been, it's definitely something I want to do. And we have children that are very capable of doing it, but, it's just been quite difficult with COVID. Um, in our second year, this is probably when we would have been able to push a bit more, but uh, with everything going on, it's just been a bit difficult. Uh, but, you know, some people will fit that private school bracket. A lot probably won't. It's just, you know, working out what each person's path is. Some people, and we have some people in, the, in our club that just play hockey because they... They love myself and Louis. They love the sport. 
they just want to play with their hockey with their friends after school and they just think it's really really fun some people are really really competitive and they, they love that side of it some people love the technical aspects and they just want to see how quick they can do their hands so it's you know working out what their path is and from there okay we put them into a private school okay we put them into a club uh we we try and mentor them so they can get into a good university so yeah might have been blabbering on a bit but i think that that last point is very um very crucial working out why they're doing hockey and then tailoring their path and trying to help them out in the best way we can. Yeah, I mean, just getting getting kids full stop into those clubs. Um, so you do your you do your role in the schools, but then if you can then push those kids as well into the local clubs, that's got to be a great thing for them. Um, obviously, I got involved uh, in several clubs growing up, but just little things like just once you transition into men's hockey as well, so you become you like I say you're a 12, 13 year old. You might start playing men's or obviously ladies hockey. Um, you learn a lot about how to communicate with your elders, which I think is quite important, um, particularly when it comes to like in the future job interviews, interviews to university or further education, um, knowing how just to communicate with people older than you. Um, and, and then taking those skills into the workplace is really important. Like I look back on my my childhood and my teenage years and and yeah just having like a beer at the bar um with people and some quite influential people like my my first job when I was 15 was actually working for a hockey coach I worked for for Kev um just at his air conditioning place so I learned quite a lot of work experience through that role as well as earning money which I wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the hockey club so it's not just the on-field benefits it's the whole um so the whole social aspect that comes with that. Definitely. And I think hockey is so big on that kind of social side as well. So it's yes, yeah, only gonna it's only gonna benefit. Yeah, I mean if you if you look at uh, the equivalent in say in say football, um, most players would turn up for their Sunday league games in, you know, in like a local park, um, play their football and then they tend to just go their own separate ways. Um, whereas hockey, gen- hockey traditionally have like their own hockey clubs, their own private members bars, um, and so the same, the same for rugby. But you go back to the clubhouse, you have that social aspect. Um, people your own age and older age, and you make connections, you exchange phone numbers. So it's a really good place. Just to, it's a full, it's a full Saturday, and probably a yeah. full way of life almost when you get involved in a hockey club properly. Whereas other sports don't always have that. Sometimes it is just a sport and you go your own separate ways. For sure. And I, yeah, now you're speaking about that now. I, I, I missed that. I missed that because of Corona. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been such a weird year, but you do... So we have now become like other sports when, yeah, you do just turn up, you play your game, you go home. Um, and then suddenly you find yourself on a Saturday evening twiddling your thumbs going, oh, I haven't got any plans because Saturday evenings with the hockey lads on the beers or having a having a social so when you haven't got that suddenly you've got all this this spare time yeah. um but yeah so i've been following the uh the hockey inner city for a while uh via the instagram and stuff and it started off you know as you very hands-on um as a coach but it's no longer small potatoes so look at it now and you have global partners in like grays um, and various other brands so give me some idea of the scale for this operation now. Um, this, this, the scale is very much dependent on how much time I have at the moment. Uh, at, a, at the moment, I see I train Monday to Friday with GB, but I have Wednesdays off. So all Hockey in the City work is done on Wednesdays in terms of the coaching. And we're coaching at my old primary school, Emmanuel St. Andrews in Stratham Common. So the scale, you know, last year, like last academic year, we had around 25 and now we've got around 45. So uh, that's the, the amount of kids that are working with at the moment. And yeah, I think we want to increase that. But by being together with other hockey communities as well, because there's a lot of really good organizations uh, doing stuff that are similar to us. And we want to see, you know, how we can bring them together. So an example would be of our festival tournament we did 
um, last December, which was, you know, uh, our kids' first exposure to a hockey tournament. We got a lot of the clubs in South London together and we, we played a hockey tournament. So just doing stuff that brings kind of communities together um, and people that are doing similar stuff and are like-minded. Is that something you can delegate in the future? Be less hands-on, maybe have more more clubs, more teams, more kids involved, but obviously more coaches to go with that? Nah, I think it is, but it's just about finding the right people to deliver the sessions. I'm quite particular on how I like my sessions to be ran. And as a result, I'm, I don't trust anyone just to run the sessions. Mm. And I think having you know just working at one school it's it's more than rewarding like it's just fantastic to see you know the, the impact you can have on on children if you you know you, you spend a lot of time with them and you care about you know, what you're doing with them so whether we do more schools will we have still have that contact time if i'm still busy like i don't know but definitely in the future you know retiring from hockey it's definitely something i want to i want to be able to to do full time and go to a lot of different schools and just you know impact a lot more more children on uh you know like a uh, with, with my presence and, and coaching yeah um i was going to ask you actually so long term you see that as being your your calling perhaps to be fully immersed in the coaching Def, uh, definitely. Uh, it's not the only thing I, w I, w I want to do, but it's definitely the, a big thing that, that I would love to do. And like I said, yeah, I just, I just love it. <laughs> like, you know, work, working with the children, obviously I'm not a, a full-time teacher, so I don't have to be with them all day, which I know some teachers uh, are like, oh, wait till you day. Um, so I, I get like an hour and a half, like two hours of them. And it's just great because especially primary school children who are, are still very innocent and uh, they're very enthusiastic and can be very energetic and they just buzz off uh, having people around them who they can relate to um, that they can kind of yeah confide in or look forward to seeing or yeah just 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 playing hockey with yeah you're, you're in quite a fortunate position to be a full-time hockey player um, there isn't if you go back through the generations, there aren't many full-time British hockey players. Um, obviously, it's something which, thanks to obviously various lottery funding, etc., has become more more doable in recent years. Um, so, give me give me an idea about like a week in the GB camp. How you split your time between recovery, training, uh, S and C versus on pitch training, analysis. Just give me like a breakdown of your average week. So, yeah, Monday, gym, pitch, Tuesday, a long, long three-hour session. Um, and then we have, like, the rest of the day off, slash have to go to club training. Uh, Wednesday's day off. Uh, Thursday's gym and pitch. Friday, one training session. And then we normally have a, a club game on the weekend. Yeah. That's pretty much yeah, that's quite interesting, actually, because if we were to compare this to football, football, um, for example, the clubs have ownership of the players um, and they're kind of, if you like, loaned out to the international setup for mm -hmm. the odd friendly or the odd tournament. Um, in your case, I suppose you're, you're contracted to GB as your as your mainstay. Um, so do you ever have any conflicts between sort of what you're doing with the club and what you're doing with GB? Like, does, does the club ever want you to have, is the club ever saying you need to have more rest? Or GB is saying, can you miss out a game to keep you fresher for a GB game? Is there ever any conflict there? Uh, yeah, I think there's, there's, there's conflict. Uh, I think at the moment, what's been good is that the governing body and the clubs are, are, are working together to try and get the best of both obviously it's not always going to be possible but they they, they are working together great and then i said you now find yourself at wimbledon hockey club uh previously you're at uh east grinstead i believe is that right yeah, I was yeah. There. 
what was the uh, reason for the change? Was it just the commute or? Yeah, uh, see, commute was a big thing. See, I'm from southwest London, uh, Streatham, uh, and I was moving back from New Malden to Streatham. Um, and yeah, going out to East Grinstead was 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 a long commute. Um, I, I really enjoyed my time there, and and, and the people there it was it was it was a great like two years, even though there was uni was in between it, but yeah, a great two years. But yeah, commute was a big thing. Also, uh, yeah, my, my my school coach Carl Stagner was was going to be the head coach at Wimbledon. Um, obviously, we have a, a, a good relationship with each other, so that was also another big reason of wanting to play with him, um, uh, you know, for my club hockey. Yeah, and did you do East, was East Grinstead just the one year, or did you do that before going to uni as well? So I had one year before going to uni. Um, well, I was very, very much on my depth. Uh, it was cool though because you got to see, you know, you you got to play with GB internationals, um, like at training and in gameplay, and the squad back then was was fantastic. Um, especially as someone who was young coming in and seeing all these guys, it was like wow. So I had a year there, and then three years at uni, and then I, my first year after uni playing hockey was was at East Quinsted. And then after that, yeah, I moved to Wimbledon. Man, that's where we find you now. Okay, so I think I've exhausted the the hockey questions for now. Um, and said so we've already gone over hockey in a city, and I think that's that's obviously a great initiative. Um, so I've obviously found a lot more about it as I prepared for this interview, and I think it's something which you mentioned you've gone from sort of twenty three to forty five, but I think in the in the future, that could be something that could be really rolled out nationally if you're prepared to do so, and you could really get big success across not only London but why not other cities across the country? I think it's a really good model you've you've created there. Um, so I always like to finish off though by offering the guest the platform for any other business. So, is there anything else you want to talk about from the world of sport, the world as a whole? Yeah, I saw this. I did. I didn't really understand when you said. Uh... And you said business. Um, you know what? I'm good. I'm got anything right now. I should have. I should. I should have more for. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's that's all right. No worries there. Um, okay, so uh, I think that's all we really got to discuss. Um, our, uh, it's been great having you on. So thanks for all your insights. Um, obviously, I wish you all the best for 2021. Uh, hopefully, you'll have those Olympic rings on your arm by the end of the year. And uh, you never know, maybe a medal to go with it. So all the best for the Olympics. And yeah, thanks for joining me. Oh, cheers, guys. Rory Burns, England Cricket Ashes Squad. Danny Cipriani, England Rugby. Victor Moses, Nigeria and Chelsea football. Elliot Daly, England rugby and Lions tourist. Lawrence Okoye, San Francisco 49ers player and British discus record holder. Marlon Yard, England rugby and Bertrand Traore, Chelsea football. These names are amongst the many stars that light up the list that is the Whitgift alumni. And for Rhys to still be revered to the level he is at Whitgift is a testament not only to his talent, but also to his character. Walking around the school's sports facilities, you can't help but notice the memorabilia and photos that don the walls. It's fantastic to see an athlete who is young and experienced giving back to his sport already by helping to grow and diversify the game for future generations and trying to offer others the same opportunities the sport has given him. Perhaps parallels could be drawn with Marcus Rashford. It'll be great to speak to Reese following the Tokyo Olympics to see how the experience has affected him and how it's changed his sporting and personal life. For information on Reese, check out his Instagram. That's at drhysyb on Instagram or uh, the England Hockey website. And also check out at Hockey Inner City for more information on the work his organisation is doing and the work they're continuing to do in your community. Since I have a few spare moments, 
Since I have a few spare moments, I would quite like to unleash a little rant and uh, release some steam. I'm concerned by some of the complacency which has been shown by certain elite sports recently, uh, especially football. One interview that stands out is one with Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder. I'm a fan of Chris and what he's achieved, but I certainly disagree with him on this matter. Chris says it is unnatural and unreal to expect stars to stop hugging on the pitch. We are living in an unnatural world. It's unnatural that 80,000 people have died this year from COVID. It's unnatural I've had two close family deaths this year, both of which I haven't been able to see due to social distancing. It's unnatural I'm heading to a funeral in a few days where the chapel will be half empty due to local restrictions. It's unnatural that we're heading into a massive recession where the economy will be damaged for many generations to come. It's unnatural that I work on a COVID ward and I've seen patients dying without any loved ones alongside them due to the lockdown. It's unnatural that people have lost loved ones and all they've got to remember them by is a bag of old clothes handed to them by the nurse because there's no final goodbye. That is the world we live in. It's an unnatural world. And I think if footballers and those involved in football aren't able to accept this role they play in educating young fans who currently can't play sport or can't even get education they deserve, then they don't deserve the profile they get. Footballers having parties and flying to Dubai are literally, in my opinion, laughing in the face of healthcare workers and families who've already sacrificed so much. Sport holds a very important role in keeping spectators engaged, and improving the nation's mental health, that's a given. But they must accept the role they play in fighting this pandemic, and they must be dealt with severely if they find that they are unable to do so. On a side note as well, let me know your thoughts on the number of pundits and journalists who are attending these major sporting events. The government's guidelines, last time I checked, say you should work from home unless you're unable to do so. So why can't a pundit talk about football from the comfort of their sofa? I watched a game the other day where there was four pundits uh, up in the gantry. There were two pundits pitch side. There's a commentary team. There's a whole press area full of journalists. Is this just a classic example of one rule for some and another rule for others? I reckon I could write a pretty good match report sat at home watching the game on TV. I'm pretty sure we could hold a decent conversation on Zoom that could be played out as a punditry team. It just seems like that's exception has been made and you're seeing pundits flying all over Europe for Champions League games. It just seems like it's a necessary risk and it could very easily be worked around. Anyway, that's the rant over. I'd like to hear your thoughts though, so please drop me a message on Instagram or the email. You can check out at hips underscore and underscore dips on Instagram for more information on past episodes and some of my past guests. And you can also check out at Mansfield Curtis for more information on me or to get in touch with me directly. I'd especially recommend episodes four and eight, which feature fellow hockey players, Tom Nixon, Addiscombe Hockey, and Aurora Mears, Wimbledon Hockey Club, and Hockey for Heroes. But for now, please remember to stay educated, stay aware, and most importantly, stay safe. <laughs>